right? Oh. All right. So we talked about the joy of the Lord being our strength. Talked about what joy was. Uh, Elaine talked about joy in the midst of suffering. So remember, keep that in your mind. The suffering, suffering does happen. And we're not joyful because of the suffering, but we have joy in the midst of the suffering because we know that God, that we're, we're safe and loved and we're in God's hands through it all. And Jen talked about joy in the midst of, of justice or the search for justice and injustice and, and the joy that comes from coming together. We talked about joy in community, being together. And today we're going to talk about joy in celebration and the discipline of celebration. So I want you to hold those ideas from the past uh, sermons in mind as we go through this because I don't want you to get the idea that we're supposed to be joyful and, and celebrate um, things that go wrong. But no, but we can celebrate in spite of them and in the face of them. So the discipline of celebration, the it is a discipline to, um, to engage in to celebrate, and it's an important one. The discipline of celebration is to take joyful, passionate pleasure in God and the radically glorious nature of God's people, word, world, and purposes. I like to think of, of this as, as a, uh, an exercise that strengthens your, your joy muscle. Celebration as a discipline is going to make it stronger for you to, to see things that make you joyful and to engage in that. Especially when there's not much reason for it. Here's a picture of our, of our discipline of celebration from this week. On Wednesday, we got together, and the guys had put together— so many tables. I think it probably was rivaling the length of, of the, the, the table outside. They even used the, uh, the baptismal tank as a table in the back there. And there were so many people. Even when this picture was taken, I was in another room in another table. So we had, we had another table going too. So yeah, this, this was such a beautiful example to me of the discipline of celebration because there was so much energy as we got together as, as friends and uh, the people of God and, and got together with our neighbors. The kids were, were as always, full of energy and, and playing. And the, the, it just felt, you could feel the buzz coming in the, in the door, wafting into the table where we were sitting. And it was just such a joyful experience. How many of you guys were there? Is it, am I, am I saying accurate? It was like, we had a lot of fun. It was a good, cool time together. And not only was it the being together, but it was, of course, the food was, it's always so much more fun to celebrate with, with food. <laughs> To, so we're engaging in this, this uh, discipline to experience and to celebrate passionately God and God's people, his world and his purpose. This um, celebration is something that God commanded. You look back into the Old Testament, there were festivals that, that God set up and um, to bring sacrifices. And it wasn't 
it wasn't just a drudgery kind of a thing where you're going to Jerusalem, sacrifice this thing on behalf of your sins. I mean, take a look at this from Deuteronomy chapter 14. He says, basically what, he, what he's saying, and let me give you a little bit of the context here. You're going to go on this cool vacation to the big city of Jerusalem. And you're going to sacrifice things there and eat it. And you're going to have a feast. But if it's too far for you to bring your own food, kind of like you guys brought your, 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 uh, your Thanksgiving meal, if it's too far for you to, to bring your own sheep and goats, you know what? Sell your tithe uh, offerings. Get the money. Take it with you. And so here's what he says. Then you shall turn it into money and bind the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God cho chooses and spend that money for whatever you desire. Auction or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. Isn't that, does this surprise you just a little bit? God's commanding them to take their offering that they were offering to God for this particular festival and eat it. <laughs> and if they couldn't just bring the, uh, the sheep with them to, to eat or the oxen or whatever, they, they sell it all, bring the money, buy the stuff, prepare a feast, and eat it before the Lord. This is celebration, and this is what the Lord commanded of his people. Why? Why would he do that? Well, there are benefits to celebration, the benefits to our bodies as we celebrate. I think that sometimes in our churches, people can seem kind of dour and, and uh, um, stuck in, you know, <clears throat> uh, trying to live a righteous life and things are not joyful. But that is not what God desires of us. And I I almost have to remind you that that does happen in other churches because this is not that kind of church. We, we get together and we celebrate Thanksgiving together and we run around and we, we have joy. But there are churches where you would wonder, where is the joy of the Lord? How is that your strength? So there are benefits. For one thing, we take ourselves less seriously when we are celebrating. Yeah, that can be... <laughs> That's a tough one. We, we, poke, we can poke fun at ourselves, and we can, we can make jokes about, about our, our, our lives together, and we can, we can have fun. We can even dare to look silly. We take ourselves less so seriously. Also, celebration is an antidote to sadness. Like I said, we do suffer, even as Christians. We know that. We still experience depression. We still experience downtimes. But entering into joy, into the joy of the Lord, entering into celebration, it can lift us up out of that, at least for a moment. Bring us back to perspective of what is really important in life. Um, again, if we're taking ourselves too seriously, it can help us to, to forget that it's not all about us. Maybe that the, the problems that we're facing Man, compared to, to God and how glorious he is, not a big deal. We can laugh about it. We can enjoy 
being in each other's presence and take strength from each other. And joy begets joy. So the discipline of celebration, like I said, it's like a, it's like a strengthening and an exercising of our, our joy muscle. It helps us to um, engage in joy. And that joy then begets more joy. And we need that desperately as we face a broken world. As we face those difficulties that come against us, as we face the uh, attacks of, of our enemy, as we face the hopelessness of injustice, as we face all those things, we need the strength of joy behind us. So we need to strengthen that joy muscle. And that joy then can overflow, as Elaine said in, our, in her uh, talk about joy in the midst of suffering. It overflows and influences those who don't know Christ and influences those who do and gives them an example and, and that joy abounds. So there's some obstacles. Is that spelled right? Because I always say obstacle. <laughs> and I think that's, that's weird. Anyway, so there's obstacles to, to joy. I think one of them, we're afraid to look silly. If you engage in joy, what does it mean? It means bouncing up and down and, and, and running around and making noise. And you're really going to engage in that and you're really going to abandon yourself to this kind of joy. People are going to think, man, you're weird. <laughs> you're silly. What are you doing? I mean, there's places where that seems acceptable to the world. I don't know. Like, I've never been to a club, but probably there. <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> probably there. I don't know. Uh, football games or something. I don't know. Um, there was a, I watched a TED talk this week about the uh, aesthetics of joy, and what, uh, what she said in that too was that the psychologists actually measure joy by bouncing. <laughs> when people are bouncing up and down, it's like, okay, that's a measurable effect of joy that we can, we can write down. So you look, you, you can look a little silly, and maybe that's an obstacle for you to, to enter into that joy. Even when we get together in church, you don't want to look Silly, and there's there's certain norms that we don't want to uh, to break. You you might look childish, um, which is interesting because when you think about the practices of celebration, I think a lot of it's being childlike. I mean, you look at kids. We were just watching uh, um, little little ones running around in the foyer, pure joy on their face. What do they what do they look like? You know, they're just moving around, they're they're running, they're jumping, they're they're uh, they're making noise, they're spinning around, you know, whatever it is, they're experiencing and expressing joy. And those are the kind of uh, of things that we can engage in. We can we can make noise. I love the fact that in the songs we sang today, we could just sort of belt it out. We could just like, yeah. God makes beautiful things. Make some noise. We could dance. There's a place for, for holy dance. And like I said, that, that's almost the definition of what joy looks like. Is, it's moving around. Um, the kids engage in fantasy games. We can engage our imagination and, and, and uh, celebrate one another which is a, another practice. 
Let's say there's a great artist among us. We could make an art display. We do this really well at like um, our Good Friday services, the, the, the Eucharist, when we, we bring people's uh, art up or their, their spoken word or, or these different things. I always thought, wow, that's such a great discipline of celebration that we do there. We celebrate what they are about and what they can accomplish. And those are beautiful things to engage in. Engage in art, to engage in music, to honor one another. Which brings us to um, making the most of festive occasions. What about somebody's birthday? We can engage in the spiritual discipline of celebration to honor each other in birthdays and anniversaries and maybe just special days, Pastor Appreciation Month, um, these different things. We just had, we just had Thanksgiving. We just celebrate. Hopefully it was a time of celebration for you beyond just uh, Wednesday. I know getting together with your family sometimes can be a little awkward. (laughs) But, you know, you can celebrate using that discipline of celebration. Find the joy. Find the things of joy and grab onto them. Um, Christmas is coming up. Like Pastor Jacob said, we're just now entering Advent. Christmas is coming up. We can celebrate in meaningful ways, and, and that's a spiritual discipline. Easter's coming up. Um, Easter's another great time we can really, I mean, those are pretty obvious ones. But you know, there's also a church calendar that you, could, you can research, and there's festivals and feasts all throughout the year that if you want to, you can, you can enjoy and make merry because of. Advent is uh, often a time of expecting God's coming. And it's interesting because the churches that follow the church calendar when they're preaching, it's not about Christmas per se. It's about oftentimes the end of the world, <laughs> which is kind of a funny thing to be, to be uh, uh, celebrating as you're expecting. But it's the expectation of Christ's coming. He came the first time in the first advent, and we expect him again to come again. So the, there's this uh, rhythm of the church year. Then Christmas comes, and you get... The start of Christmas, you get the 12 days of Christmas that come. And just 12 days to celebrate Christmas, man. If we do it like the old church, the, the, uh, the church calendar, you get not just one day, you get 12 of celebration. Yes, we can celebrate. Um, one of the things that I find interesting as we've talked about this topic of joy is that we keep kind of coming back to Philippians which, uh, when I looked at it, I guess it's not terribly surprising. In Philippians, Paul uses the word rejoice eight times in four chapters. That's as many times as, as, many times as he uses the word in any of his letters, including Romans is eight times are tied. But Romans is like super long, as you know, because we've been in Romans forever. But, <laughs> but Philippians is only four chapters, and he says it eight times. Rejoice. Take a look at this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Rejoice! And again I will say rejoice. Actually, he says this in chapter 3 as well. He's like, rejoice! I know I've already said it to you, but I'm going to say it again. Rejoice! He actually says in, in, in chapter 3, verse 1, I know I'm repeating myself, but it's for your good. Rejoice! Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. So this is engaging your joy. Um, in, the, in that TED Talk, the, the uh, aesthetics of joy, she talks about things that she, she has a graphic desire, a uh, uh, um, materials designer kind of thing. She did a study on what makes us feel joy. And the things that, the patterns that she found were circles, googly eyes, pops of color, uh, things that make you feel abundance or see, feel abundant. So these are the things that uh, engage your joy senses, right? Now, the discipline of celebration would be to take those moments and dwell on them, grab onto them, rejoice in those things. Think about the things that bring you joy, the things that just make you happy, as, as Mary Kondo would say, the spark joy, right? Do, do your clothes spark joy? Yeah, get rid of it. Okay, so um, those things that spark joy, let them bubble up in you and let, let your— you, Rest on that. Rejoice in it. And again, he says rejoice. How, does it, how do we do that? Well, he says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. Um, this word gentleness, I, he doesn't quite capture, doesn't quite capture how, uh, the, you know, what he's talking about. In, in, in the ESV, he says reasonableness. Um, it's kind of this, a soft tenderness. Let it be shown to everyone. And he says, the Lord is near. Again, just like we were talking about with Advent. You can, uh, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of the persecution that these guys were facing and that Paul was facing, you can rejoice because the Lord is near. There is, you know that there's an end to it. And you know the goodness of the Lord who is near you. Mm. He says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't worry about anything. You know, just like Jesus said, you know, look at the lilies of the field. They don't work to be dressed beautifully. They don't. God gives them this beauty, and, and they're just grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. How much more does he care for you? How, how can you, by worrying about one thing, add a, a single minute to your life? So don't worry. Give it to God. Trust in him. It's too often, I think, we are, we are able to trust God for our eternal salvation, but don't think to trust him for our next sandwich. <laughs> it's one of the things Dallas Willard always said, and I thought it was funny. 
<laughs> we trust God for, for everything after death, but we won't trust him for, for lunch. We, won't, we, we worry about things like that. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry about where the money's going to come from. God's got it in his hand. He's got it figured out. <laughs> yeah, like, like Elaine told during, our, uh, during her sermon, we, you know, we lost our cars. And, and what? What about my car? I don't know the story. <laughs> Tag team. Okay, so this week, his car, uh-huh. the engine light came on. I didn't know how we were going to get it checked out. We owned about like $80, and we still needed gas for this week. And so I went anyways because Friday I was off and it just made sense. Like that was the day I needed to go. So I went, found out it was like $325 and I was going to have to put it like on a credit card, which I hate doing. (laughs) And they said they don't take cards. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to get a cash advance. It's going to be even more expensive. And Chris said to me, when is the AFLAC money from the accident coming in and I said I have no idea and I checked in my account and there it was (laughs) I tell you that gave me joy that gave me so much joy see you know God's got it in his hands don't worry don't worry about it that's and he says so what do you do well in everything by prayer prayer first of all is this relationship of listening and conversation it's an attitude of worship in your heart. Being connected with God, sitting with him, and, and enjoying God's presence. So that's the first step. Be in that, that, that moment of, of communication with God. And then he says, by supplication. Now supplication is kind of what we normally think of as, as prayer. It's the asking. Asking for things. So be in prayer. Be in communication with God. And you know what? Ask. Thanksgiving. We just had a whole, uh, um, whole meal and celebration about Thanksgiving. Give thanks to God for what he's done for you. So ask him for what you need. Be thankful for what he's given you. These are the, these are the keys to, to rejoicing, to being in joy. Let your requests be made known to God. And finally, bro- beloved, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Dwell on them. Think again about those things that make give you joy. Are googly eyes something excellent? Think about them. Enjoy them. Elaine's got squishy things on her car dashboard just so she can push. Whatever sparks joy in you, think about those things. Dwell on them. And where's a good place to start? Well, nature is a wonderful place. Um, The guys back there, Colin and Jeremiah and Spencer and I, we went to a monastery couple weekends ago just for a little retreat and it's one of my favorite places to go there's these trails in the woods and we were walking um and spencer and i got down by the lake the guys had taken another uh turn and spencer and i just stood there by this lake this isn't the actual picture of it but i found something that was kind of like it you know (laughs) it was in the fall all these uh trees are bare we just stood there it must have been like 20 minutes just 
Like, wow. It's like, what would it be like to be able to see this every day? Would it be, how much joy would that bring? And I thought, man, I wish I could paint better. I would paint this picture. You know, all these, these thoughts, just, just enjoying the presence of God in, the, in that place. And after we got back to the, to the house, uh, I, f- I ran across this quote. We should, to begin with, think that God leads a very interesting life and that he is full of joy. Undoubtedly, he is the most joyous being in the universe. The abundance of his love and generosity is inseparable from his infinite joy. All of the good and beautiful things from which we occasionally drink tiny droplets of soul-exhilarating joy, God continuously experiences all their breadth and depth and richness. I was like, man, God gets to see that lake all the time. Dallas mentions after this quote that um, he was thinking about this as, as it, he saw this beach in South Africa that he'd never seen the like. He'd never seen anything like it in the world. And the thought that came to him was how happy he was for God, that God could see that all the time. I mean, think about, think about what God gets to see in creation. We think about um, watching fish in a fish tank. God has an ocean full of fish to watch all the time. How much joy do you get from watching your, your puppy or your, your kittens or, or uh, watching even on YouTube the, the crazy things that happen to pets? God watches it all the time, all the animals doing silly stuff. God is a joyous being. We, we uh, have a cat that lives under our steps on our way up to our uh, house. Foster calls it a porchius because it lives under our porch. And we gave it uh, a can of, it like meows at us loudly if it's hungry. It's got this little family now to feed too. So we, we gave it a can of uh, tuna uh, and it just sat there eating. The little two little kittens came out and, and um, I think it, the, the dad must be a, a tuxedo cat came out too. And it's just like watching these little fur balls just <laughs> brings you joy. You know, think about that, that God gets to experience that. And now think, beauty, wonder of, of, uh, of the universe. We've seen pictures and marveled at, at like the, the Eagle Nebula or uh, the pillars of creation, those pictures that the Hubble telescope can, can capture. God gets to see that. <laughs> Long before we ever could, with the naked eye, see such things, God has been gazing at those things. And, and according to Scripture, he calls it good. And why? Because he takes joy in it. God is the most joyous being in the universe. And now this is the God that we serve. This is the God who, his, out of his abundance of joy, is taking care of you. His love, his generosity, all of those things flow out of his abundance of joy. And we can rest assured that everything that we need is going to be taken care of. (sighs) Mm. 
This is a, a great poem. I love this. Um, As the marsh hen secretly builds on the watery sod, behold, I will build me a nest on the greatness of God. I will fly in the greatness of God as the marsh hen flies in the freedom that fills all the space twixt the marsh and the skies. By so many roots as the marsh grass sends in the sod, I will heartily lay me a hold on the greatness of God. This, again, is how you have the grounds to celebrate and to rejoice. Think about this God who's so great, so joyous. Let your roots go deep into the greatness of God. Let your mind think, whatsoever things are pure and honest and and right, let it think first on God, God's greatness. Bigger than the universe, also as tiny as the tiniest atoms. He's in it all, in the space between the atoms. God is there. The heavens are here. You are enveloped in a God-bathed universe. Rest yourselves in the greatness of God. Make your home in the greatness of God. Fly in the greatness of God. And then when it comes time to celebrate, let your joy erupt. Zephaniah says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with singing, with loud singing. This, this uh, idea, he will exalt over you. It actually, in the Hebrew, means that he is uh, it's a violent spinning with joy or with emotion. He's dancing over you. He's shouting loud shouts. So this is what it says in um, the uh, God's Word version. The Lord your God is with you. He is a hero who saves you. He happily rejoices over you, renews you with his love, and celebrates over you with shouts of joy. God is taking joy in you. The great God, this Trinity we talked about who is in, in divine dance, he is dancing in celebration, spinning over you. Let your mind go to that and rejoice. Gratitude is an outflow of this experience of joy. So we just celebrated uh, Thanksgiving Day. I I told the guys on the retreat when I was starting to prepare for this sermon, I said, I think I might preach on on gratitude. It'd be a good time for it being Thanksgiving. And uh, I think Jeremiah said, when isn't a good time to speak on gratitude. And I was like, maybe on National Ingrateful Day, which I, did, I didn't know was a thing, but apparently it's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. <laughs> but uh, gratitude is an outflow of, of the, also another spiritual discipline we can engage in. List all those things that you're thankful for. Give thanksgiving, as, as Paul says. And again, Dallas Willard talks about about this. He says, Holy delight and joy is the great antidote to despair and is a wellspring of genuine gratitude. 
This is where gratitude comes from. It's the kind that starts at our toes and blasts off from our loins and our diaphragm through the top of our head, flinging our eye, arms and our eyes and our voice upward toward a good God. Let it rise from within you. Let it rise and let it burst out. Mm. <sighs> Pastor Jacob said the word earlier, Euharis Deo, thanksgiving, gratitude. It's also the word we use for, for the Eucharist. Should we, uh, somebody bring it over? <laughs> we're going to engage in that. We're going to, we're going to worship Engage in joy and giving thanks as we, as we partake. And I would invite you guys, after you take the, the element, don't go back to your seat. Let's pack up here in the front and let's, let's worship him with abandon. Give voice to our joy, to rejoice in him and, and celebrate today. Lord Jesus, on the night that you were betrayed, you took bread and when you'd given thanks, you broke it. You said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, you took the cup, and you said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So for whenever I drink this bread, or eat this bread and drink the cup, I proclaim your death until you come. And Lord, we look for your coming. We rejoice in what you've done for us, and we give thanks back to you today. Amen.